David Stockdale here, 1-3, from Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of The Wickham Wanderers Show. If you're listening to last week's episode, you'll know uh, that I wasn't available, but Bob was here. This week, the other way around, uh, Bob's off, and uh, I listened to the show, really enjoyed it. Fantastic chat with Danny Sender, with Gareth Ainsworth, and um, other things as well and uh, someone you'll hear from in just a second too and I was very impressed and I thought I've got to, got to raise the bar this week I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do something to, to, to um, make it just as good if not a bit better so coming up in the next hour uh, we'll hear from uh, the UK club's chief financial officer Pete Kuig obviously we'll review uh, last night's game against Ipswich uh, we'll chat to Dave Ward who's the manager of Wickham Wanderers Women and we've put together a fantastic compilation of some of the highlights of uh, some of the ex-players that we've spoken to so far this season because you know this time of year people like to reflect don't they on, on 2021 what's happened and things like that and uh, also on the previous episode of the show uh, you've you had a fantastic chat with Bob and uh, Phil who of course you probably know as the club's commentator you may well be have uh, listened to his uh, fantastic podcast Ringing the Blues which has some fantastic Chairboys content on it and I thought it'd be brilliant to get him back because uh, he'll have been to the game I thought and we could, we could chat about that uh, uh, thank you so much indeed for, for talking to us really enjoyed uh, Bob's chat with you last week it was, it was great to hear yeah, I always like kind of behind the scenes stuff yeah, it was lovely to do. It was quite um, retrospective. You don't often kind of get a chance to look back, really. And as I was talking to Bob, there was some really good memories in there. And, you know, a little tear in my eye at uh, points as well when you kind of think back to those times. And you know, some of them feel like a really long time ago now, especially when you go to grounds like Portman Road last night and you think, wow, you know, when I first started going to see Wickham play, they were in the hospital car park. Now look at <laughs> I know. So playing things like Fisher Athletic and Runcorn, and, and you know, I don't even know where many of these places are. Exactly, you know, and and for the vast majority of the club's history, you know, it was in that sort of non-league level. So um, it's such a wonderful story, um, you know, and it's, it's great. I've just been texting with a, a mate of mine who's an Oxford United fan who's sort of debating with me about the morals of, um, of uh, supposedly taking legal action against Derby County. And I was like, <laughs> well, I remember beating Sutton United and Altrincham in the FA Trophy semi-final. So, you know, and that's in my lifetime. That's in the same period of history. Uh, but here we are. That shows you what a great club Wickham is. Definitely. And fantastic to have a game as well after over two weeks without one. Yeah, 18 days is a long time at this stage of the season, um, you know, for everyone. The fans, the players, uh, for us. Um, I was doing my notes before the game and I was like, well, this is, I feel a bit rusty. I feel like I've been pre-season here. I had to make sure, you know, my pen was working and stuff and all the other bits and um, yeah, it's tricky because you kind of have to keep track of all the other teams. That Are they playing? Are they not? What's going on? Who are their players out injured? And, you know, Ipswich Town have got a new manager and we only played them, what feel like, about 10 minutes ago back at Adams Park. Um, so, yeah, lots of change going on, lots of changes to lineups and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think first and foremost, just wonderful to have a game on and, and great to be in an old stadium with 26,000 fans there. It was fantastic last night. And over 6,000 uh, Wickham fans went as well. What was your overall assessment of what you saw? It, it, to me, Wickham looked like a team who hadn't played for 18 days. They were rusty. Um, where they've been so fluent um, with the likes of McCleary and when Mimetti came on in the second half. And, you know, Wickham have got some really good technical players now. And they looked a little rusty in the final third. Um, the final ball in has been a problem, really, even before this enforced break. Uh, the quality hasn't quite been there, which... It's really frustrating now for fans because Sam Vokes, we all know what he can do. If you put a decent ball into the box, he's going to get it on target and he's going to score quite a few goals. But at the moment, we're not really playing to his strengths, unfortunately. We're not getting the ball in that we need. Um, and for whatever reason that is, I don't know. I think last night they just looked a little bit 
a bit rusty. And it's understandable, you know, an 18-day break at this stage. They've obviously been training and, and credit to the medical side at Wickham Wanderers as well because they've been able to play all of these games that have been called off. It's been the opposition. But you can train and train and train. And I think the players um, would underline this and reinforce this as well by saying you can't replicate a match day situation. And I think the match day situation last night was a really big one because massive crowd, old stadium, a big team like Ipswich Town, um, and you can train all you like up at Marlow Road. You won't be able to replicate that. And I think Wickham fell short last night in terms of their match fitness. And quite a shock before kickoff to see that the manager wouldn't be in attendance. Yeah, yeah, I think when I spoke to Tubbo after the game, you know, like Gareth is the most positive man in football and uh, the one positive we didn't want him to have, uh, he returned over Christmas. So, um, but I think with Wickham, Gareth and Dobbo, you know, they're, they're like the old married couple, aren't they? They finish each other's sentences, I reckon. So they, they know what each other's thinking. They were in communication last night as well through the, through the analyst and they had earpieces in uh, and Gareth would have been watching perhaps a, a few seconds behind the live action. But um, so, yeah, that, that would have been there. I mean, obviously, it's a big miss. We're so used to seeing Gareth. He's such a, a sort of definitive figure on the side of the, of, of the pitch. Um, it's, it's unusual not to see him there, but Richard Dobson is uh, is a more than uh, capable uh, deputy in this situation. And, and Matt Bloomfield, what a night for him at Portman Road as well, you know, a club so close to his heart. And to be able to assist Dobbo um, last night, I'd imagine he'd have been making sure Dobbo took at least 15 natural flows before the game just to make sure that Dobbo, didn't, uh, Dobbo had to step down and Matt Bloomfield could have taken the team maybe. No, definitely. And really nice to see such a, a mixture of youth and experience, everything from the likes of Chris Farino playing to David Wheeler getting his 100th appearance. Yeah, and you know, Wickham have got the oldest, um, I think, average age of the squad in, in League One. So it's lovely to see the likes of Mimetti and now Farino coming through from this from this development squad. Um, I think that's what they're calling it now, rather than a B team. Um, and it really paves the way for the others in there as well to say, look, there is a clear pathway from from playing in this development team and you know nearly going to university or playing at step nine or ten as as those other players were to being you know regular players in the Wickham Wanderers lineup, and uh, Ryan Tapazoli's picked up an, a knock and Chris Torino. He can only do what he can do. When the chances come, he's got to play well. And he played up against uh, James Norwood and uh, Macaulay Bond last night. Two really good strikers in League One. And I, I thought he, did, he had a good game. You know, he, he would have learnt a lot last night as well. And I'm sure they will be drilling those uh, those errors that he, he did make in, you know, in, in training and looking at the videos and stuff. But I thought he performed admirably, really. Um, and it's, it's great to see. And nice to say you got to speak to uh, Richard Dobson after the game as well. Yeah, yeah, it's always lovely to chat to Dobbo because we speak to Gareth every week after every game. So, you know, a change is as good as a rest in this situation. And we don't get to hear from Dobbo um, anywhere near as much as, as a man of his sort of uh, ability, especially so lucid talking about the game. He speaks so well about the game, so knowledgeable. Um, it's a shame we don't really get the platform to speak to Dobbo more often, really. But uh, last night was a really good one to, to bring that in. And uh, after the game, I said to him, you know, this is a a game of really fine margins and, and Wickham came out on just the wrong edge of it. 
there's plenty of these games over the course of the season I, I always say to, to our boys you're going to have 10 games where you play ever so well and, and you win there's going to be 10 games where you don't play very well and you've got to try and, and, and not to lose them ones and then there's 20, 25, 26 that can go either way and one of the, it's one of them games tonight you know we, we, we could have nicked a, a point at the end and, and I think that probably our second half performance would have merited that but we, um, we weren't quite good enough first half um, we weren't composed enough on the ball uh, we were better on the ball second half and, and you know a lot more uh, territorial possession but um, but not clinical enough in the final third we just lacked that that little moment of magic or, or a cross that said score me and um, you know we didn't quite provide either was the fact that 18 18 day gap between matches has that played a part in, in perhaps that little bit of quality missing tonight yeah yeah possibly so there's nothing like playing a game of football and I, I think once you get in your flow and, and the games come thick and fast um, it's very easy to build momentum over the course of a season once that momentum stops and you know we've, we've prepared for each of the two games um, at, right up until the last moment and then you know it, it becomes really bitty um, and, and we've had that so uh, if, we'd, if we'd known we'd have had that period off at right at the start it would have been a lot easier for us to prepare as it is you know you, you've, you've got everything ready for Bolton you've got everything ready for Cambridge and then we lose them and, and, uh, and then you're working on the next one and um, it's, it's difficult for the, the players mindsets because your focus is there you're building up for the, the big day and, and then all of a sudden it's pulled from underneath you um, and it's been disappointed you know it, it, it's going to be one of them things for the next month or so you know clubs are struggling a little bit the, the, the world's struggling with it a little bit so um, you know I'm not knocking anybody there um, it's just a shame that we have a, a disrupted season and, and it could throw some people off of course uh, Gareth Ainsworth, normally the most positive man in football, got the positive that he didn't want and he couldn't be here tonight. Um, when did you find out that he couldn't be here? A um, couple of days ago. Um, so, n- no big deal. Um, you know, we're, we're so in tune with each other and, and the coaching staff. Um, you know, the, the chairman wished me well tonight and I said, look, I, I, I can't guarantee a result. But what I do know is that we'll be perfectly fine on the touchline and, and we're, we're perfectly fine with our preparation. You know, I've got good people around me and uh, Lee Harrison and Matt Bloomfield and the likes step up and, and you know we've, we've lost our uh, GPS analyst as well so you know there's a couple of couple of people that have gone down but it's something that we're going to have to work through um, Gaz will be back um, it, you know within the next week um, fingers crossed that no one else comes down with it but um, we, we've got to get through it and uh, um, you know we're going to have to be adaptable from time to time no Ryan Taffer's Ollie in the squad either this evening is that an injury or, or illness? Uh, injury yeah just just tweaked his back a little bit so we're hoping it's not too bad and, and it'll be back shortly but um, uh, you know it's uh, it's not one that we want to risk at the moment and with the, the nature of the games at the moment we're all expecting or hoping to play on New Year's Day but is it tough to prepare in the back of your mind knowing it might be uh, all the preparation might be for nothing? Well obviously Charlton have lost their game tonight so um, you know I don't know whether it's their case or, or the opponents um, but no we, we, we go full steam ahead you know nothing changes we, we can't lose focus or, or let anything sway our judgement on whether the game's going to be on or not we have to prepare 100% as we normally would and then um, we'll all keep our fingers crossed we get the game on Sounds very ironic losing a GPS analyst that's <laughs> surely that's, that's not the sort of person you should be losing surely they should know exactly where he is. At all <laughs> times. Uh, so he was here. Yeah, so Charlton next, and obviously, as as Dobbo mentioned, yeah, they they haven't played either. So hopefully, they'll be even more rusty. Well, this is the thing. Wickham, as I said, certainly in the first half they look really rusty. So Wickham can only hope that Charlton will be equally rusty. Um, but it's another away game. It's another game um, for a team whose manager will be taking charge formally for the first time. Uh, and these are all circumstances that are going against Wickham because obviously they're sort of unique circumstances. Last night, 
uh, Ipswich, 26,000 fans already behind the new manager, giving him a warm welcome and, and probably cutting him a bit of slack. And Charlton with Johnny Jackson perhaps doing the same. They'll give him a hero's welcome. He's really turned it around as an interim manager. So now he's got the gig full time. I'm sure they'll be giving him a warm round of applause as well. And because the games have been called off, it means that the fans who are able to go and who can provide the necessary paperwork to get in, there should be a healthy number of people there as well. So the atmosphere should be good. But it's the onus on Wickham then because then they go to an old Premier League ground in front of a big crowd. They've got to quieten the crowd down. But this run of games coming up, Colin, I think is pretty definitive for Wickham Wanderers' season because there's some big teams coming up. It's uh, definitely a lot to look forward to. Thank you so much indeed for, for joining us. And I'm sure uh, many fans will be enjoying uh, hearing your commentary again uh, very, very soon, hopefully, as soon as New Year's Day. Yeah, fingers crossed I'll be preparing, like Dobbo said, with the players. I mean, I'm, I'm not out there doing shuttle runs and doing GPS tracking. No one ever knows where I am when we come <laughs> on playing. But I'll be doing my preparation notes and, uh, and, uh, and looking after the voice, making sure I can be heard on, on, on New Year's Day. And a happy New Year to you as well. You too, guys. Take care. Thanks a lot for your time. Uh, Phil joining us here on Wickham Sound as the Wickham Wanderers show continues. Also been catching up with Dave Ward, who's the uh, Wickham Wanderers women's manager, reflecting on 2021. It's been quite a challenging 12 months. Um, I think, as I've said before, previous shows, uh, at the beginning of the season in particular, we had lost a lot of players through enforced retirement, through injury. A couple of players uh, decided to uh, move on to another club which was more local to them. Uh, who are similarly rivals in our division, uh, which was a bit disappointing, but uh, understandable nonetheless. And trying to replace those players has been quite a challenge uh, during the season. Um, we had a particularly serious injury to both Charlotte Bagshaw, who's uh, our skipper, and uh, Bobby Lynch, uh, who's one of our more experienced players with a lot of National League experience. Both are awaiting ACL reconstruction um, surgeries uh, and won't play again this season, which is really a big disappointment. And, and they're both hard acts to follow. I think the, the, the light or the shining light for us has been that we've got a very strong reserve team group and we've got a very strong under-18 group. Uh, with the reserves sat third in their division at the moment as we hit the Christmas break and the under-18s top of their league. What, what we've done is we've introduced some of the players, um, particularly under-18s, who have also played well for the reserve team with their experience of senior football for the first time, really. They've come into our team and uh, done remarkably well. In three of our last four league games, uh, we've uh, won three of them. So that, that nine points has been incredibly valuable in opening up a gap between us and a couple of sides at the bottom of the league. So we've just got to maintain uh, our momentum and ensure that we win that sort of mini league of four, if you like, uh, in order to retain our um, status in the Southern Regional Premier Division. Does it feel like there's real improvement and progression in the, in the side at the moment? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the thing that the youngsters have brought in is um, a, a lot of natural talent. And, and sure, they lack experience, but that's what the older heads in the side are there to do, to try and help them with that uh, and to help accelerate their development and their growth. But uh, I, ha I have to say that the youngsters that have come in have been exceptional Young Ruby Page has come in in her first full game for us. She scored both of our goals against uh, Woodley United, which for a young 16-year-old is uh, fantastic uh, for her and uh, great for the team as well. And it just shows the quality of the players that we have. We've got another youngster, um, Amelia Sage, who's slotted in at centre-back. 
Uh, and you'd have thought that she'd been playing there all season, to be fair. She's just come in and just done the job. No airs and graces, just been very tidy in what she does, very competitive. Uh, we've got another young lady, Naomi Tilly, who's um, joined in and weighed in with a goal as well um, so far. And, you know, it, 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 it's just fantastic that we've got that quality of youngster and uh, that we're able to give them game time uh, with the first-team squad uh, and they have made a, a positive contribution without any doubt. And it's a real great advert for the women set up at the club that, that the reserves and the under-18s are doing so well. Yes, it is. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's important that the first team uh, do uh, do well as well and continue their progress. Um, this season has really been one for me building the squad, uh, but also harnessing the talent that we have within the whole club. And I think that that has actually been a good move in terms of consolidating our position but giving us an opportunity to look inwardly rather than looking outwardly all the time and trying to attract players in. Whilst we could do with a bit more experience um, from national league levels and above, um, that's not always possible. And uh, this season we found it very difficult. But to have the talent pool that we do, I think uh, is testament to the uh, coaching staff that we have uh, throughout the club in helping those youngsters develop and progress to first-team level. Are there any particular games which really stand out for you in terms of performances? I think certainly Oxford City away when we won 3-0 um, a few weeks ago was um, a, the real turnaround from us. Then, then we had uh, a fairly hefty defeat over Abingdon Town where we didn't really turn up. We didn't play well at all. We had some of the youngsters appear in that game, but it was probably not the best game for them to start in. But against Woodley United at home... Uh, we showed an awful lot of resilience, an awful lot of confidence, and um, you know, two nil probably flattered Woodley a touch. I, I would say um, it was great to keep a clean sheet, but it was fantastic to see us creating so many chances uh, and to see young Ruby Page converting two of them. Then the following week, we had a, a, a tricky encounter against Winchester City. They're another team that blow hot and cold, but when they're on it, they can be a very difficult opponent. We beat them 2-1, um, a really good, solid performance. I think if I reflect back onto one of the the best performances, although it was a defeat, it was against uh, National League Chesham United in the um, Bucks and Bucks Senior Cup. Uh, we lost the game 4-0, but three of their goals came in the last five minutes just because of superior fitness and um, we got a bit tired and lost concentration at key moments towards the end of the game. But for the first hour, we kept them out and um, we stuck to a game plan. And, and the discipline and the attitude and application of all of the players on that day uh, was exceptional. You know, I, I think Ascot, who are doing better than us in the division at the moment, uh, lost 8-1 to Chesham uh, in the next round of that competition. So the fact that we managed to hold them to four by having a very disciplined uh, performance um, should augur well for the for the final run-in for us in, uh, for the season. So that that was a particularly pleasing game, although the result was not what we wanted. And something else which really stands out this year, I think it was it only happened comparatively recently, I know, but uh, uh, you and the team got to go to Adams Park when the, the men's team were playing in, in, on the pitch at half-time. That must have been so nice for, for all the players and yourself for the sort of profile of the team as well. Yeah, I, I, 
you know, being part of the Wickham family uh, as we are, it's fantastic to be um, able to get to Adams Park to sort of advertise the existence of the teams and, and to try and raise the profile. Quite a few supporters that uh, watch the men's team come and watch us on a Sunday as well. And I'm sure they, uh, if they get the opportunity, they would watch the reserve team and the under-18s. Uh, and they'd see some very good football. But yeah, being at Adams Park was uh, a good experience for a lot of the players that hadn't been there before. And it was nice for them to sort of walk on the hallowed turf as it is and to experience what it's like to hear the noise of a crowd of about, I think it was about 4,000 on that day against Bolton. So yeah, fantastic for the players, absolutely fantastic. And uh, I think we've got other opportunities so that the reserve team and the under-18 groups uh, also have the same uh, opportunity to be at Adams Park and on the pitch, hopefully. And really pleasing, as you say, how the players have risen to the challenge of coping, if you like, with, with senior players being out with injuries and, and, and some of the departures as well. It, it takes a certain sort of character because we, we've been looking at the players and uh, weighing up whether or not psychologically and uh, physiologically they can cope with the demands of senior football, especially as they're, they're, they're growing youngsters. And some of the 16-year-olds that we put into the side had never experienced senior football before until they'd gone through the reserve team this season. Um, because they'd adapted so well, it meant that actually, technically, they're more than capable of coming into the first-team group. They've now felt what it's like to play against senior adult females, so given the opportunity. And I have to say that all of the youngsters that have come in have grabbed the opportunity and um, done themselves no harm at all in terms of their performances. And have you set the team targets, or perhaps amended targets, uh, from earlier in the season for the remainder of the campaign? Yeah, the, the, the target really is to make sure we win um, our mini-league of four. We, we, we think there were, most of the teams above us are, are probably uncatchable now, but it, it, it's making sure that we minimise any losses against those sides and uh, give them a scare and maybe pinch a point here and there. But it's to ensure that um, we're ahead of Winchester, Oxford and Woodley, uh, and that way we sit healthily mid-table, and we can then go on and uh, build on the foundation of this season for next. So that that's the real target from us. We've only actually got one more game against the team that is below us, and that's Winchester City away. I'm not sure when that's been played. I think it'll be February time. But our, our first three games in January are all against the top three sides. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a daunting challenge. But, you know, the, the, the players will be coming back refreshed after the Christmas break. And I'm sure they'll relish that opportunity to go and see if they can upset a few teams above us. No, we look forward to following the team's progress. Thank you so much for your time and I uh, wish you a happy new year as well. Brilliant. Happy new year to you too, Colin, and uh, to everyone involved at Wickham. Uh, thanks ever so much. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's Wickham Wanderers show, a fantastic compilation of some of the ex-players, thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association that we've spoken to so far this season, ranging from Les Merrick to Danny Sender, with a bit of Paul Hyde in between as well. I must say a big hello to Jane as well, who left us a message over the uh, Christmas holiday, wishing all of us here at Wickham Sound uh, a very happy Christmas, thanking us for all that we do, and also thanking us for the Wickham Wanderers show as well, which is uh, a real pleasure uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to do it. Uh, uh, Bob not with us this week, we're both back next week, you'll be pleased to know. 
uh, but trying to put on something a little special for you for the Between Christmas and New Year episode. We've been speaking to the club's Chief Financial Officer, Pete Kuig, uh, talking all things including transfer window and um, how things have been at the club overall, uh, but started off with uh, news of how he spent his Christmas day. Uh, well, it was interesting. Um, so I had my family in town, and my dad and his wife were in town. My flat is not big enough for all of us. Garris house is uh, getting renovated, and so he didn't have room for everybody. And so we decided to uh, have a Christmas dinner over at the Woodlands Lounge at Adams Park, and it was fantastic. We saw some pictures on social media as well with, with the, the spread that, that Will did, and it's such a, a lovely thing, and, and so, so so much about the, the relationship that, that both you have with Gareth and obviously your families as well. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I don't think it's, uh, yeah, Gareth and I obviously hit it off really uh, very quickly. Um, you know, I've hung around with uh, his wife and kids a lot, um, hung around with his parents a lot. Uh, it was just a very natural thing to do. And, uh, it was just a really fun family. I think Gareth's family is a lot like mine. We like to have a lot of, you know, we like to have a good time. We love good food, maybe a couple of, couple of drinks. And then, uh, I got to tell you, the karaoke session was unbelievable. Um, between my wife, Gareth's mom, Gareth, Gareth's daughter was incredible. Yeah. We had, we had, we had some folks belting out some tunes. Oh, if only it was recorded, we could have played some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, we didn't. We, it was for the family only, I guess. I, I'm sure there's some videos, but uh, <laughs> might want to keep those to ourselves. No, definitely. And I'm sure all Wickham fans will be really pleased to know that you know you were able to be with your family, especially having so much time apart from them with you being over here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been two years exactly. Um, my wife, my wife and kids were here uh, the last time Christmas, right before COVID happened. <laughs> Haven't been back since, and so it was. Uh, it, I, I got to tell you, it was a little nerve wracking leading into it, whether they should come or not. But it was very important for us to be together for Christmas. Um, we knew we could take as as great precautions as we could, while still understanding that. It's Christmas. It's family. And sometimes the risk is worth it. And it was. No, that's really nice to hear. Obviously disappointing that, that and Gareth had to miss last night's game because of uh, picking up COVID-19. And hopefully, I obviously wish him a speedy recovery. And I was reading that he doesn't have any symptoms, which, which is great news. Yeah, it, you know, it's pretty crazy. Uh, we test nearly constantly. Uh, look, I've been looking at two years of testing with a large group of people. It was really interesting, you know, this new Omicron, you can test negative on a lateral flow one day, positive the next day, negative the next day, and then that PCR picks it up a little bit longer than that. Um, The good news is is that anybody that we've had that has had a positive lateral flow, nobody's had any symptoms whatsoever, Um, which is honestly a little bit bizarre to me, but... I don't know if you've seen the Spider-Man meme, but I feel like I'm right in the middle of it. <laughs> no, definitely. Hopefully you and your family are all well as well. Yeah, you know, um, it was a little bit nerve-wracking over the last 24 hours because they left today. And so you have to do your fit-to-fly test. You have to get approved by the airlines. We did all that stuff yesterday before we left for Ipswich. Uh, didn't leave until we had all the negative tests and uh, loaded everything up in the Verify app, and they were approved. 
but to be completely honest, I was uh, nervous until they were in the air. Fortunately, about an hour and 20 minutes ago, they were. Oh, fantastic. That's really nice to hear. And also, obviously, great that the football was able to continue uh, yesterday as well, because I guess p- people had everything crossed that there would be a game on uh, at Ipswich. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you this. Um, it was very disappointing to lose yesterday, but um, Portman Road, Ipswich, you know, they had 26,000 people there. It was, it's, it's what everybody wants uh, with holiday football, a big match like that. Uh, I just wish... You know, we played Ipswich twice, and this is crazy, but in both matches, we have somehow, even the one we we lost 4-1, we had the lead on XG, um, which is the expected goal stat. But as everybody knows, you don't get any goals for expected goals. You just got to stick the biscuit in the basket, and we unfortunately did not do that last night. So um, that kind of stuff happens. It's football. But pleasing that the game was so close as well after, you know, playing Ipswich recently as well. It was a bit of a different score. I I gotta tell you, uh, it is very interesting to me. Nobody wants to lose to Wickham. Uh, so to go to a place like Portman Road where you got 26,000 people there, um, and second half was, this is one of those perplexing things, you know, we had a team and I always say, you know, everybody complains about time wasting, but everybody who's winning in the history of this game has time wasted to some extent. And sure enough, you saw it last night. It was one nil, uh, massive club like Ipswich feeling as though they've got a you know time waste a little bit against Wickham with a one no win and I saw it everybody sees it you know and I I don't think Wickham fans will complain about it but I don't think we complain about it as much as most people but the funniest thing to me was every chance those Ipswich fans got (laughs) throw in the same old Wickham always cheating and it's just uh (laughs) it's comical really because um I watch a lot of football, uh, and I think maybe uh, probably a lot more football than most people out there. And uh, I think um, maybe because I'm an American fan who has just been more of a neutral in most matches that I've watched, you know, I don't watch with a jaded eye as much as as, as maybe you know, those 26,000 supporters did last night at Portman Road. But it um, – <laughs> It is a little bit perplexing to me how um, those tropes like that can just live on. Uh, you know, I, 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 do we do it more than other people? No, I don't think so. But I think we've just over time developed a reputation over a few incidents that, uh, and also, I, you know, I, <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, we'll do anything that it takes to win. I can promise you that everybody will do that. Um, and, you know, one of the things about the time wasting, you know, and if, if anybody ever get in a conversation with, I, I generally ask if somebody starts complaining about time wasting, I ask them when's the last time they played 90 minutes and ran 11 or 12 kilometers because a lot of times, you know, uh, those guys are just trying to catch a breath. Um, it is a very difficult game to play. And, you know, there are very few people in this world that can run for 90 minutes and not have to take a, a breath. In fact, I think there's zero. Even James Milner has to lean over a, every once in a while and catch his breath. But um, it is what it is. Uh, I find it part of the entertainment of English football, uh, the fact that they'll just yell anything. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, it's just, it's part of the entertainment for me, really. No, definitely. As, as you say, it's, it's quite sort of quirky in a way, isn't it? That the other, other fans rival fans. Yeah, so I think a bit of it's sort of jealousy, isn't it? I, I don't know what it is. Um, the funniest one to me was Plymouth a few weeks back. You know, they were complaining about time wasting before we, the ball even kicked off. <laughs> so we've reached the, the halfway point in the season I was reading uh, on the, the, the club's social media there you know just a point off uh, where we were the, the, the point of the season where we got promoted so that, is there a really good 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 feeling around the club that something something could special could be happening this this year as well yeah well um you know honestly we're probably a, a few points behind our target for the midway point I think uh <sighs> You know, the matches that we've lost, most of them walking away from it, it's kind of hard to believe we didn't drag a point or if not even a win um, in a couple of those. So I'm not going to say we're, we're where we want to be, but we're pretty close. And um, considering the schedule we've had with eight, nine away matches against uh, top 10 teams and having those guys at home puts us in a good spot for the rest of the year's run. So very excited to, to, to go into the January window and uh, hopefully pull off a few wins here and, and, and just keep tracking out because it is going to be – it is a very difficult year in League One. I, you know, the, the, the level of competition this year uh, – I've been watching this, this game for a long time. League One seems about as good as it's ever been, and it just keeps getting better. And it's not just because we have these massive clubs like Ipswich and Sunderland. It's because – Teams like us, teams like Accrington, these small clubs who have smaller budgets are figuring out ways to compete against these teams that just spend, honestly, more money than they should. And you mentioned the transfer window just around the corner. I'm sure Gareth identified his targets. How does that work? Does he, does he come to you with a, with a shopping list or is it more of a sort of a, a, a sort of all sit around a table sort of approach? Or how, what, what are sort of behind the scenes at, at the football club for the transfer window? Well, you know, I think most people, when you read uh, social media com- comments they they look at windows especially the january window about how to do something for this season but when realistically and practically when you're running a football club the decisions you make every window don't just affect the next half a year they affect a a half a year a year and a half two years anytime we bring a player in it's under a multi-year contract and so there is a very serious planning process that we have that takes place over the, we, we meet constantly to discuss where we're at, what our depth chart looks like, uh, what it looks like going into next year, certain things, uh, that we need to do with our own players during January windows that, uh, the rules allow for, um, as far as contract extensions and, and stuff like that. So it is, um, do we look at it how we might be able to strengthen or what we need to do for the rest of the year? Yeah, obviously. But I will say this. During those meetings, everyone from the beginning of the year to right now, we have felt extremely confident in the team that we've put together for this year. And typically the only thing that, that makes us think a little bit are injuries that happen availability, you know, a bunch of different ways that we look at historical availability and projected availability. And so that we can see if we need to cover and, um, 
we got a little room, but it's also uh, with COVID, uh, there's some questions as to do big clubs actually want to loan people out right now when they could be forced into using their 23s in, in league matches. Um, does anybody really want to get rid of players right now because everybody's going to want the, most, the maximum amount of depth that you can considering how we've seen this, this t- testing regime um, affect availability on a day-to-day on a match-to-match basis and also something that's really stood out this year especially i think is, is that the young players that the club are, are producing and really nurturing you know you think of anis and, and tj especially yeah uh but it also goes to show how good our team is because let me tell you this tj has been on fire in training he's been on fire in development matches and uh it is just extremely difficult for some of these young guys to get minutes right now because the level of uh, of uh, that everybody is playing to is phenomenal, but I can promise you this: they're pushing, and so uh, it's uh, I can, you know everybody knows how much I love the development squad, and I, I want to see those guys play, but I also want to see you know our veterans, our older guys, work their butts off to keep them on the bench, if uh, because that type of competition is what's going to raise the level of everyone. And so to see young guys like, look, Chris Farino last night stepping in for Taft was amazing. It really felt like he won every single head ball, every single aerial duel. So to see him, when these guys are getting chances, it's not just filling in the gaps. Uh, It is because they've earned them. Every one one of the young lads that's got his shot has proven he earned it and deserved it. So... I love having this deep, big old squad, but part of me is a little bit, uh, feels a little bit bad because I, I remember being a young guy on a team trying to work my, you know, work my way into the minutes and how difficult it can be because you've got those older guys that, uh, and the veterans that, that those coaches trust so much. So, um, professional sports isn't easy. And, um, but, uh, with the positivity, with the with the encouragement that everybody gets from their teammates, I think in a lot of other situations we we might have some upset guys, but everybody's uh, in the same boat. We're all rowing in the same direction. Everybody knows Gaz and Dabo have extremely diff- difficult choices every match, and so we, we all have the same goal, and that is to be in the championship next year. And so, whatever it takes, everybody's willing to do it. And a special mention for David Wheeler as well, who made his 100th appearance for the club last night, uh, tweeting today how, how proud he is and how fortunate he is to have found himself at the club and talking about the, the positive environment throughout as well. Yeah, it's really good to see. Uh, Wheels is such a great player, and he's a perfect example of you know that Wickham player that's willing to do anything for the team. Uh, you know, He's probably played three, four, five different positions for the team over those 100 matches. He also happens to be my mom's favorite player. Every time he gets on the pitch, my mom is just so excited. I don't, you know, I I think it's because he's a pretty good looking dude and he's a great footballer. But, you know, the combination of the two uh, definitely uh, has my mom watching out for him every time. (laughs) That's that's a new design for a T-shirt, I think. (laughs) <laughs> Joe Jacobson's had his own T-shirt. Now, now we need, now we need more. Uh, Pete Kuyk's yeah. mum's favourite player. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. <laughs> and just I finally, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> they'd sell. Uh, what be your message to to Wickham supporters, especially at this time, heading into the, the second half of the season? Hey, look, uh, 
we need everybody at Adams Park every chance you get. Uh, 650 people making a trip up to Portman Road last night was fantastic. Could hear them quite a bit during the match. We, we just need as much support as we can because the boys are playing incredible football, and everybody knows that when, I, when, when those Wickham fans are cheering and rooting them on, they can raise our boys' levels. Uh, we've seen it at the end of matches almost all the time over at uh, Adams Park, and so we just – but we have actually an incredible schedule. We've played eight or nine of the top ten teams away. So that means from now until May, we've got those matches at home. And they're going to be – those are massive matches. And so, you know, what can Wickham fans do? The ones that always show up, keep showing up, sing louder, and invite friends. Bring friends because the more people that we get in there consistently, the more it will help us fight the acoustics of that away end at Adams Park. Uh, which normally, thank goodness, uh, our boys on the pitch shut up pretty quickly. And so uh, we just need to pack the park, get excited about uh, Wickham football. It is, um, I think the last couple of years have been easily, uh, you know, some of the best teams that have ever played at, at, at Wickham. All of the new stuff that we have at the at the stadium is making and, and our improvements that happen from match to match. It's just a really fun experience every time out at Adams Park. You never know what you're going to see. It's there's always quality entertainment. So we just wish more people came and and those that do, we wish you know we're even louder. Really appreciate your time and I wish you a very happy New Year as well. Cheers, Colin. Thank you very much, bud. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderer show for this between Christmas and New Year week. I've uh, been really enjoying uh, working with the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association and speaking to many, many ex-players who, uh, over the Christmas period, uh, sadly reported the uh, death of former goalkeeper Ken Brown just a week after he celebrated his 90th birthday. Of course, our condolences uh, to Ken and his family and, of course, the uh, wider Wickham Wanderers family as well. Uh, since the start of this new season, season two of our programme, we've spoken to uh, some fantastic ex-players who uh, have played over uh, all sorts of different eras of the club many more to come in the new year as well uh, i invite you to uh, sit back and enjoy uh, some of the highlights of those that we've spoken to in the uh, past few weeks as i say covering uh, all sorts of uh, eras and uh, hopefully some of you'll uh, remember and enjoy as well no one expected us to go there and uh, beat preston uh Wickham's manager at the time gareth Ainsworth was playing for them I had an unbelievable tussle with him in midfield. He was wearing a mask at the time because I think he had a fractured cheekbone. And we had a bit of a tussle on the pitch and he was on the floor and I remember pulling the mask off his face and letting it go, you know? Just to let him know that he's doing you know, We're not going to be taking no prisoners today. And uh, it was a close run, close fought game. And um, I was fortunate enough to get the ball in their half, just inside their own half with minutes, not even a minute to go, I think where Tim Langford just trapped it and played to me and I just made my mind up from then that I'm going to shoot because it just it was it, it felt right and it went in and I think that was the turning point of our season to push us to get into the playoffs we had a fantastic team spirit we had a fantastic team I was only there for a, a short period of time but I know they went on to do really good things the season after I mean I did come back at, not long after that but I sort of had a bad knee injury then and I was sort of coming to the end of my football career but uh, but no there was um, a good set of lads lads we all keep in contact with now 
we have get-togethers now every so often and um, charity football matches, so we still speak, but great set the lads and uh, become really good friends of mine. Martin was a great motivator, I think, of, of, of players and there was definitely a, a different atmosphere on the training ground when, when he showed up to, to when, you know, just Paul Franklin or, or Steve Wolford took the took the train in the atmosphere had changed straight away but yeah he was a he was a great motivator and he, and he really believed in players getting the you know getting the rest you know he, and, and because I suppose that first season we we were doing re reasonably well you know we were playing Saturdays Tuesdays and we'd advanced like in the auto glass and we'd advanced I think in the coca-cola cup you know so it was, it was important that sometimes we'd you know we'd probably get a couple of days off a week um, just to rest um, and then you know we'd, we'd be back in on a Friday and, and playing a lot of five sides and, and, and non-contact stuff you know so um, it, um, it, it certainly um, benefited the players and, and obviously he was great for, for Wickham and he obviously shot his career you know into into better things at a later date Even when we lost we lost um, that game which was horrendous loss in the end 8-3 eight, eight, or something to Aston Villa we played like Barcelona in the first half we were absolutely murdered them and they were they were I think if Nathan Tyson had have stayed on we would have got more we would have ended up it was 3-1 at half time or even 3-0 to us and they came back the referee sent off one of our players gave them the most dodgiest penalty you've ever seen and they just and then everything went wrong and they just ended up getting all these goals but it was still a game that sticks in my memory because the next game people were saying oh you've got to tighten up defensively well we went off anyway we went off and we won 4-0 away from home you know and that was the type of team we were you know I always encouraged attacking football. Oh, and there was another great game where I think Russell Martin scored one game when we lost 5-4 at home. The highlight would probably get into the semi-final of the trophy uh, in 83 as well. And that was, uh, that was a great run. And that was a, there was a real uh, optimism of getting to the final. And um, we went to Oldfingham and drew one all. Um, and Gary Lester making a great save to keep us in it, but unfortunately the replay at Lokes Park, I think the, we, we froze us a little bit, the older players froze a little bit and we didn't play the football we could play, but at the time Oldfingham had something like eight non-league internationals playing in their squad, so it was quite a challenge to get out there and the, they probably played the better football on their second second leg and unfortunately we missed out on Wembley which had been a great occasion and that was the furthest Wickham had ever got in the trophy at the time in their history It changed me I was coming up against different, a different type of players um, it also changed me in the sense of you know with, with Paul making the club captain it added a, an extra sense of responsibility to my my game and you know me as a person you know it wasn't just myself that I had to think about I now had to think of you know the, the players around me um, different players in the squad whether they were playing or they weren't involved if they were injured um, then also having that contact you know being that kind of go between between the management the coaching staff uh, and the players you know trying to put those views and, and points across both ways um, that was that was going to kind of benefit everyone in the whole. So that was great for me. It changed, you know, it changed me as a person and probably made me mature. To be honest, you know, I was probably and always have been a bit of a 
uh, you know, a kind of happy-go-lucky guy. guy that likes to have a laugh at himself and, you know, make others laugh around about him. But at that point, you know, in terms of my career, I felt as though I had to change. It was the most hurtful time in my life. And my parents took it and they felt the pain for me. My family took it on the chin as well and felt the pain. I can honestly say in my heart, heart so I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know why it got where it was. did. I think we were second in the league uh, at the time to um, Notts County. I think they were top and we were second when I got called in by um, Mr No Name. And um, he said, you're not playing this weekend. I said, why? And I said, I... I uh, he, uh, he said, I've got someone else in. I went, OK. I said, so who are the reserves playing like you would as a pro? And he said, you're not playing for them either. You're not playing. And that was it. And that was the end of my career at Wickham. And it came to an abrupt end when we were second in the league and, and going well with a similar sort of team. There will be a few of them had already bit the dust. And uh, it was a it was a tough time, but we were playing well still. And, and it was I couldn't get my head around and understand what was going on, really, because it was... It was wrong, um, and it and it broke me. To to be fair, it broke my heart and to leave that club. And I turned up for training every day, and I brought my own kit in, and and the lads could feel my hurt as well, and they didn't know what to do, and they couldn't do anything about it. It was just a horrible time, horrible time. And even when he, when he had no before, and my mum went to it without me knowing, and uh, and he went to read something out that said uh, even sort of almost don't want him because he's too old and. Just, you know, I think she stood up and shouted, oh, you're a liar, that never happened. But, you know, it, it, it hurt my family because my family had a wonderful time, an absolute fantastic time at Wickham. They travelled the country to every game, home and away, and um, they were part of the Barbie Wickham, Wickham Wanderers Army, you know, and they, they, they all went away, all got on the coast together, and it was brilliantly organised, brilliantly run, and, and, and every weekend and Tuesday night was just buzzing and a fun time and a fun place to be you know it was just brilliant I loved every every moment at Wickham I was very sad to leave and um, uh, felt you know I, I should have stayed for a, for another year but it was sort of made impossible for me by the new manager that came in at the time who changed things around but yeah the, 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 the four years at the club I have nothing but fond memories um, of that time and a fantastic career overall as well. You're a semi-professional international. That must have been a fantastic uh, privilege as well. Yeah, yeah. Got the I got the one game. We played Wales, and uh, yeah, it was it was great. My dad came up to watch. It was a proud moment for the family for me to represent my country. You know, I even got man of the match that day. I shouldn't say got man of the match that day. So everything went well. Uh, obviously, it couldn't we couldn't play any more games of Wickham players because we went up into the to the league that year. So the year the year after, um, we were all banned from playing because we were league players. Then we went to Burnham Beaches, train just like what probably England do or the the, the top teams do on their FA Cup day, and uh, you know you treated fantastically well. You trained in the morning. We didn't know the team. I know what Martin spoke to me, and there was me and uh, Smudgy Smithy, and we didn't get picked. But I played up to probably about the quarterfinals and then I think signed Scotty and he, I think I got injured and then he got in and it's just the way it works. And at the time, you just gutted. Gutted for your family and your chance to play at Wembley. It's like a dream. And this was just the start, really, of Wickham. I think they're... Uh, 
dominance. I even remember the next day saying, oh, I don't even want to go on an open-top bus, because when you haven't played, I was pleased for the lads, they won the game, and obviously Keith Scott and I think Westy scored that game, and uh, it was a great day. You know, a lot of fans there, it was great, open-top bus, but when you've not played, this is the other side of football, isn't it? You know, it's not always roaring success, and as you've had a longer career, you realise there's a lot of ups and downs uh, in football, and it, it you know, it, it, I'd love to be here saying, yeah, I've scored the winner at Wembley, you know, it, but it weren't to be, and I probably wasn't good enough uh, to, to be in that team at the time. The biggest and best games that I played for Wickham was Gravesend and Northfleet away in the FA Cup second round. We lost that game. I had a blinder in that game. And another good game that I can remember at the moment was Spennymoor in the FA Cup, FA Amateur Cup. That was the third round. We lost 2-1 away following a 2-2 draw at Lokes Park. And the attendance in the, the replay at uh, Spennymore was 4,902 people there. Yeah, that's, that was for them. And they were, they were only a relatively small northern side. The, the, the game at Spennymore was quite intriguing, really, because we had to travel up overnight by train. And when we got there, the ground was really it built on an old slag heap, the ground, and all uh, corrugated tins round it, and all rusty it was round, round the, the ground. And uh, after the game, we had a bath, which was, we, didn't have, we didn't have showers then, we had baths. And the bath was in inside there, and these tins came down on the outside, and they were all rusty at the bottom. You were seeing from the bottom, <laughs> and all these girls got down cheering us all in the bath there. We were, that was quite funny. That was. I remember playing. Uh, I think we got through to Hendon. Um, where we uh, we were uh, eventually beaten, but the, the match that should never have been played um, because it was absolutely muddy. And I, I know Ian Rundle actually was really this. Well, he, he was very saddened by the fact that he actually broke somebody's leg because it got stuck in the mud there. So that should never have been played that day. But uh, but it was a great cup run, and uh, obviously um, you know good good for the town as well. I think. The thing I found about Wickham was that um, you not only joined the football club, you made some good friends. I mean, I've got friends that last to this day. Um, a particular friend of mine was Dennis Syrett, um and Jimmy Truitt. Um, and after the game, we used to go, we used to have a meal, and uh, then perhaps spend the evening together having a drink uh, in the pub before we go home, something like that, you know. I don't know whether that happens today, probably not. I uh, sat in the hot bath, Mask will probably tell you, and uh, I got in the bath and I, you know, the hot, it was absolutely baking. And I sat there up into, you know, I, I, we can't, it doesn't happen now, does it? But I sat up, you know, in water up to my neck. Mask said to me, what's it like? I said, lovely, absolutely fantastic, because obviously underneath it was cooler. <laughs> he hopped in. <laughs> it was absolutely burning me. <laughs> the water was so hot. Oh, dear, I couldn't stop laughing, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's the sort of stupid things that I did, but there we are. <laughs> the last game of that season, we stayed up um, when we beat Lincoln away. And, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to manage to put the ball in the box for, for Paul to get his head on. So... 
I think that one really really sticks out in my mind and I think there was a couple of hat-tricks that I scored at um, Adams Park as well so I mean I mean my memory's terrible so I forgot <laughs> a lot of them but um, sometimes you see sort of little highlight reels and you see some goal, some goals you scored but no probably probably the hat tricks sort of you know stay in my mind you know when I go back to watch a Wickham game it, it is for me going home um, I've got lifelong friends you know in the likes of Steve Brown Darren Curry Roger Johnson Keith Ryan you know I, I go back and there's familiar faces um, yeah so for me, the best way I can describe Wickham is home, you know, and it'll always be that way for me. It's a special, special place, which, you know, I grew up um, not just as a footballer, but as a young man. And the club has got, you know, a lot to do with all, all the happy memories that I, that I had as a young man growing up. So, yeah, a very special place for me. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did. Uh, must say a big thank you to uh, producer Luke for helping to put that together and a big thank you to uh, the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association as well. Uh, we'll be chatting to more uh, former Wanderer stars in the new year as well. Join us next week, uh, Bob and myself back, reviewing hopefully the Charlton game on New Year's Day. I uh, wish you a very happy new year and enjoy the rest of your night.